I want people to just be innovative and not copy what they've seen that has been successful. Um, like build, build for you, build for your community. Don't build because you think that someone else has done it well before and you think that you could, you know, do the same thing. Um, I want to see, I want to see different. I want to see like people's like, we're in a creator space right now. I want to see people's creative. Welcome to the NFT Now podcast. Every Wednesday, we speak with trailblazing artists, collectors, and technologists about how NFTs are redefining the creative economy and how you can be a part. I'm Sam Heisel. I'm Alejandro Navia. And I'm Matt Medved. And we're on a mission to empower the creators of culture. Welcome to the show. Matt, what's happening? All good, Sam. Just another day in the metaverse. How about yourself? That's right. That's right. Excited to dive in and have a very special guest today. Who do we have lined up? We have got Josie Bellini, pioneer in the crypto art world. You may know her from her viral pieces of art like Genesis and Filter and Yours Truly that really captured the spirit of crypto back in 2017. She was a big player in, in the Bitcoin community there and has become just a leading force in the NFT space. This past year, she launched her flagship project, Cyber Brokers, which is a collectible ecosystem for metaverse experiences, 10K project that has done very well. And I'm very excited to hear what she has to say, given her perspective from being in the space, but still innovating at the forefront of it. How about you, Sam? Yeah, 1000%. It was was fantastic getting to speak with her. I think her breaking down her vision for cyber brokers, obviously the the price has climbed a bit around a two-week ETH floor at the time of recording this, but how she wants to balance accessibility with with the broader market as the project continues to grow. And I think that's a common challenge different projects face. It's like, yeah, you want to ha- have and hold a high price point, but the, the true goal is to engage community and grow community. So it becomes a balancing act. So she speaks about how she's considering approaching that. Also dives into some other big challenges and opportunities that are currently facing the space. And really like to how uh, she kind of navigates these different creative mediums, going from canvas and paint to all the digital crypto art that she's creating as well. So really enjoyed this conversation. Before we dive in, if you haven't already, do want to encourage you to sign up for our newsletter, nftnow.com. Once a week, we distill everything that's happening in the market into actionable digests to different insights so you can get involved. But without any further ado, Josie Bellini. Josie, so happy to have you on the NFT Now podcast. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be on and chat with you guys. I'm excited to chat because I've been following your work for a long time. You know, for, for those who don't know, you are a crypto art pioneer who's made a tremendous impact on the space from your viral Bitcoin art to your current projects like Cyber Brokers. Give us just the brief backstory of your entry into the crypto and NFT space. Sure. Um, so... In college was the first place I really got introduced to Bitcoin, and I wrote an extra credit paper on it in 2015. And then I was studying finance and began to work in private wealth management um, after graduating. That job and career choice opened up an entirely different world for me. Um, I never before really understood investing and um, just like how folks that are Um, managing their wealth, how they're doing all of this and how they're able to make their money work for them while they're sleeping. Um, So this sort of concept really blew my mind. And I realized that I had to be able to get to that level personally, to be able to build a future 
for myself. Basically, when I was working in private wealth, I didn't love it. I actually hated it. Um, I realized really quickly that there were so many barriers for folks to get into our traditional financial system. And what I mean by that is I was a registered representative to buy and sell securities for folks. um, But even still, I myself was not able to participate in some of the same investments because I wasn't an accredited investor at that time. Um, So that sort of blew my mind there that I could have all the knowledge, I could have um, everything waiting to get into these opportunities, but I still wasn't able to participate myself with um, the rules at that time. So once I started rediscovering Bitcoin and Ethereum, um, I decided that that was my moment. That's where I could really learn about them and start to invest in them myself. So I started investing in ETH and Bitcoin in in like April 2017, I believe, um, and quickly was trying to absorb and learn everything I could about it. And I started going to every single Bitcoin meetup I could in Chicago. Um, I started hosting a meetup. I started not only going to conferences, but helping put on conferences um, and wanted to get into the space as as much as I could. Um, I ended up quitting my job. I went back to waitressing at night at a restaurant and I took a coding boot camp um, at Northwestern to hopefully be a full stack dev for like blockchain and cryptocurrency uh, or crypto companies at the time. I also ended up hating coding, but I I loved art. I've always been an artist and I um, really love the design side of it. So I started working and doing design for conferences and companies within the space Um, And that quickly, it absorbed my whole life. I was learning, I was working, I was all my free time, my hobby was like all crypto and learning this ethos behind Bitcoin and like what it really meant to be financially free. So anyways, all of that turned into wanting to create a piece of artwork for myself for our home um, that represented my journey so far. So at the end of 2017, I made a piece called Genesis. Um, which was a, all of my earlier works were all physical um, paintings and cutting up money and paper and inks and putting them all together, spray paint, um, all this stuff together into a piece. And I made Genesis and posted it on Reddit and it like went viral on r slash cryptocurrency. And people were like, how can I get a print of this? And, you know, this is amazing, blah, blah, blah. And like crypto art, like it wasn't a thing at that point, right? Like there was cryptography a huge fan at the time and now really great friend, um, coin artist who had for years been doing um, created puzzles with Bitcoin hidden in it. So those quickly became like I was fan. I was fangirling over them and then quickly became mentors and then now are really great friends. But anyways, uh, I figured out that people in the space really wanted to have something tangible and own something um, beyond investing in crypto they wanted something that represented their journey. So that's how I started creating crypto art. Eventually that turned into full-time and NFTs and things like that. But that was the genesis point. I love that. I love that perspective. Also, shout out Northwestern. I, I'm an alum as well. And we, uh, oh. we had a couple. I think Sarah Zucker is also a, a Northwestern alum. So got a nice little, little uh, group there. I think also one thing that you know, stood out is that, you know, you've been able to really kind of like capture the imagination of the crypto community at large, um, you know, with with that, like you mentioned, Genesis and some of these some of these uh, like viral Bitcoin art pieces, but also the NFT space and really like build that foundation. I'm curious to just to hear like, your perspective, like 
why do you feel like so much of that original Bitcoin community is suspicious of NFTs? Um, is it just maximalism or, or is there something more there? Yeah, it's interesting because I do agree with you. I think there are definitely some folks that overlap. The camp I stand in is, and I actually made an art piece on it called Forward Together. And it's uh, um, two women. One is totally like Bitcoin decked out and the other one is Ethereum decked out. And really the meat and they complement each other and they look really beautiful next to each other. But the meaning is forward together. Um, and that's that's where I stand. The thing with Bitcoin um, that is not uh, the I guess the genesis of the originating like reason why people have been in Bitcoin and been there for so long um, is not it was never to make a quick buck. Right. Like it was really because they believed in the ethos behind it. Um, it it was a way, it was a lifestyle or it is a lifestyle. Like it is, its whole meaning is much bigger than art and gaming and metaverse and all of these different things. It's, it's a, it's like, it's above that. Like it's a, it's a mindset. It's a way you live your life. And I think for a lot of people, NFTs in some ways, I mean, a lot of them, they are money grabs. And that's not the point of why people are creating specifically for Bitcoin art. They're not creating for that. They're creating for a revolution. They're creating for a movement well beyond um, a collectible asset. So I think that that is a little bit, I, I do think that there's a place where those can cross for sure in my mind, um, but I do totally respect um, there are some of my friends that won't touch Ethereum NFTs at all. Um, and I respect that. They have been like, so like through and through on their grind for their purpose, which is spreading, you know, Bitcoin. Like I totally respect that they don't want to touch Ethereum NFTs, but I will say that NFTs on Ethereum, like I think we've gotten really like far beautiful stories so far. I want to see people get more innovative and not um, do the same thing, which I feel like for in these cycles, we're, we're sort of stuck there um, right now, or maybe we're breaking out of one, but we're sort of in a little bit of a cycle right now. I'd like to see us break. Yeah, absolutely. Love that. I think I'm, I'm interested to hear from your perspective too. Obviously, Cyber Brokers has been such an incredible product of yours. Can you just kind of break down what exactly the, the vision is behind this project and how you foresee it evolving in the, the months and years to come? Um, yes. Yeah, so Cyber Brokers, we've um, we've been working on for a while, uh, two years before launch, which I know sounds crazy, but really like with an artist's mind, like I don't want to launch something until it's perfect. But we initially started um, concepting and ideating on it two years ago. Um, and the reason why we chose 10,000, which is actually 10,001, I can explain that, but um, 10,000 number was um, an homage to uh, two CryptoPunks. Um, that was the only like 10K project out at that time. It was before Hashmask, before the whole like PFP craze, um, before we ever used like the term PFP is when we started creating cyber brokers. Um, but we set out that when we wanted to um, build this, we wanted to build it with intent to last forever, um, which is why we made choices like SVG and why we wrote our contract. It's completely customized uh, by Ben Hydorn. Um, why we have the story behind it. We have so many different layers, but um, we set out that we knew from the jump that we wanted um, to have something that lived as long as the Ethereum blockchain. 
um, lives, which hopefully is forever that someone can spin at least a node. So um, yes, that that's sort of the genesis of why when we started um, and why we started and the art and the inspiration um, really pulls from cyberpunk, um, from crypto, uh, from everything I've learned about the metaverse over the years. And it, it combines all of that into this collection. I love it. I love it. And, you know, it, it, you bring up a really good point, which I think is something that a lot of newcomers to the space don't necessarily think about was the idea that the art should last forever. The fact that uh, Cyberbrokers is fully on chain um, is, is, was really important to the community, I know. Um, and talking with people like Art Gnome, and, and Jason's always told, like, told me the, the horror stories of like the early NFT platforms that went down and, and those, that art is lost forever. Um, so I'd love to hear your, just your, your perspective. Why was it so important that Cyberbrokers be fully on chain? And what do you think like, the NFT space at large needs to realize or, or needs to better understand about that? So there are two things that what you just mentioned with Jason saying that some of the early art platforms going down. Um, I was one of those people who was losing the art that I was collecting because the companies were no longer running. Um, and there has been this, you know, solution solution that some folks have adopted with IPFS. Um, I think it's great. I don't think it's perfect. Um, but I think it's great that at least folks are doing that. Um, another, I mean, a big, a big, big thing for me. Um, so we all know Jimmy, um, who created Avastars, NFT42. Um, he, so we met a few years ago now in the CryptoKitties uh, Discord channel. And we started talking. Um, and I actually ended up painting a um, custom one-on-one of one of his kitties for him a few years ago, which was kind of fun. Um, but we started talking and when, uh, before Avastars was named or anything like that, we were talking about, I would do the art for it. Unfortunately, I had too many things going on at the time and I didn't want to hold them up. And they went on, um, and found amazing artists to do Avastars. But really my conversations, early conversations with Jimmy, and understanding why on-chain was so, so important to him and why he was dying on that hill um, influenced me a lot. Um, and I took big, big inspirations from him. And I knew, and I told him um, after a while, I said, I'm going to launch a collectible and I'm going to follow suit and be fully on-chain. And he was extremely um, supportive and um, he just backed me up and it felt like it, it, it made so much sense. And, and over the years, it's funny because the space has, has gone so fast and really there aren't, I still think people don't understand fully what on-chain means and when something's not on-chain and what the risk is there. Um, and I'm not saying that everyone should move on-chain because it would bloat the chain and it doesn't exactly make sense. Um, but I think people should know what they're buying into. Um, we spent, spent a ton of time um, figuring out our contract and optimizing absolutely everything to get things on chain as cheap as possible. Folks were, um, and, and just to explain really quickly in simple terms, because I need simple terms and I'm sure other people do too. I'm not um, tech savvy on chain. Basically we, for our project um, SVGs is a file format we used. So we created, I created every single art piece, every single item and asset with, you know, you draw vertex points to create shapes, you fill them in with color. Well, what you can do is you can translate those vertex points and colors into code. And then that code 
we have written into the contract. We have a compressor and a decompressor, but we have written it into code so it can be stored on the contract. So you don't even have to go to IPFS. You don't have to go anywhere. If you can just pull up our contract, you could um, recreate all of the art yourself, all 10,001 purely from code, not from images or anything like that. It's all written in code, um, which is really, really exciting. But, but the reason why for us, that was so important just to go back to that, um, is, is to have that longevity is to last forever. And, uh, I think that that was, I guess the originating story I got lost there, but the originating story of why we did so. No, I appreciate that. And I think it's super helpful. Um, and I, I think another interesting point and kind of challenge and topic of conversation often in the space is this balance between like art and utility and kind of the, is there merit and is the utility kind of merited through just the value of the creative output and the art itself? Or do we really need to have really creative value propositions that bring forth new utility? How are you kind of thinking about this and balancing these two areas with your projects? Yeah. So for us, it's a, we have a very long-term play and vision. You can tell with the time we took to launch the collection, our contract that we wrote, um, we have, we have a long-term vision and it definitely, um, includes like we are creating a universe for people to not only take part in, but also to create with us. Um, we've already started doing that and, and Cyberbrokers really is, a gamified IP brand. Um, so the way that we've started that is our lore. We have three pillars that we sort of go by. Um, the first is our content, um, which is like our lore. Uh, we're writing chapters. We're doing comics. Long-term will be um, animated series, which we're super excited about. But of course, that's long-term. Um, and uh, we are also writing books, which people don't know about yet, but I'm really excited to launch those. Um, we're writing books about every single talent. Like it, it's going to be really cool, but we're building out this whole entire lore and we're not doing that by ourselves. And what I mean with that is we have a dedicated writer room in writer's room in our discord that is actually, um, not just throwing out ideas and like seeing what's fun there. We are, our, our full-time writers are actually in there daily taking all the information that uh, is really great, like this nectar from the writer's room and distilling it and actually writing it into our chapters real time. And not only that, um, our quests that we do monthly, this last quest, depending on which team won, there were three teams broken down for cyber brokers that were like mind, body, and soul. And depending on which team won, which the soul ended up winning, actually um, decided the end of the chapter. So we had three three endings that were completely different uh, written up for the story. And depending on who won that quest, we immediately inserted that ending. So they're actually, by participating, changing the story every single month. And we don't know the exact end of the story because we're literally creating it real time. So lore is a big anchor for us. Um, and I think there is utility in what we're doing. Collectibles is our other arm, which of course is anchored by, you know, irresistible art. Um, and then that third is gaming, which is sort of what I talk, talked about, how the gaming is really anchored by you. Um, it's anchored by you participating, you collecting, 
um, you going around with all the future things we have planned, you going around in the metaverse into all these different places to do certain things. Um, so our collectibles, the base is 10,001 cyber brokers. We have mech pieces. Um, all of these things are going to combine and um, really have utility for folks to actually go and play and create and live in them. I love I love all of that and, and the description of that and just the way you're thinking about this like you know this ongoing like expanded universe around around this and like on multi multiple formats and and different storytelling narratives. You know I, I think it's really interesting because you know like that that you you just demonstrated a lot of the really exciting opportunities around building kind of like a community based NFT project around like this this sort of vision. Um, and I know that that also comes with some challenges as well. Um, you know it, it's a bit of a different beast than than just being an artist who's dropping individual pieces when you have a, a whole community kind of. Um, you know, invested in your success and also um, looking for updates, things like that. There's different pressures that come. And, and I know that some people have handled those better than others. And so I'm, I'm curious just to hear as coming from an artist background, what have those been those unique challenges and, and any lessons learned? Yeah, one of the biggest challenges for me personally, um, and I think it's, I've taken that a little bit to cyber brokers, but we're at a really special spot where we've had a successful launch and we are hiring aggressively and fixing some of those weaknesses that I know I have. One of the tough points for me is marketing. Um, I am like a, and I know this has to change, but I'm like a, I'm going to create it and I'm going to do the best possible fucking thing I can and I'm going to release it. And if people love it, they love it. And if they don't, they don't. Right. And so for me, it's been this process of transforming that artist brain of like, this is my work. This is how I'm going to release it. I'm not going to convince you to love it. If you connect with it, like you really connect with it. And we have this relate. I have this relationship with my collectors on a totally another level, because with the crypto art that I create, I know they're buying it for a deeper reason than this is pretty to hang on my wall. They're buying it because we believe in something together. Um, so with collectibles and with, with a bigger NFT collection, that's definitely different and you have to take a different approach. And really right now we've been sort of like my model in my head, like we've been under the radar and we really haven't done that. Like, I'm going to convince you to like buy in our community and like, this is why you should, you know, buy our whatever amount dollar asset. Like I don't love doing that and I don't like shilling at all. Um, but I do understand that there's a sweet spot that we need to get into, um, which means that we're hiring um, amazing marketers and we're going to figure out how to get in that sweet spot where it's not a shill. And we're actually telling everyone we're not giving like hyped up announcements of announcements or or anything like that. But we're really um, we're doing amazing things and we're not explaining it how I want it to be explained. We're going to explain it to everyone and walk people through exactly how they can participate and how they can be a part of our community, even if they don't own our assets. Because I think um, cyber brokers in our universe and ever, everything we're building is well beyond the holders that we have. It's well beyond the people that actually own a cyber broker. Um, our universe and the direction we're going is going to be much, much bigger than that. Cyber brokers are the base and will always get rewarded in a really special way. Um, but we're building for the metaverse, which means we're building well beyond a 10,000 collection, but we're doing it in a thoughtful way. And we need to, um, we need to properly educate and explain to people how that works. 
I'm curious too, because as as an artist, I mean, you express yourself creatively across lots of different mediums. I mean, there's kind of like canvas and paint and digital art, AR. Can you talk about how, um, A, just kind of through your creative process and then B, how you feel like you've been able to create uh, express yourself creatively in new ways through these kind of digital canvases, if you will? Yeah. So when, like I said, when I first started creating and, you know, early pieces like filter, which is like what I use as the logo, my um, like logo and icon for a while, like I don't think a lot of people realize that those were made with like spray paint and paint and hours of cutting up, you know, currencies and dollars, um, resistencia, like all, all of these pieces were, were physicals and, and paintings and everything first. Um, and as I continued to work and really fell in love with the metaverse and the NFT space, I realized I could do a lot more um, than just a physical standalone piece. So that's when I implemented, I think it was at the end of 2018, um, that I implemented augmented reality. So I taught myself animation. um, And when you scanned the piece with an app, you know, your physical piece with an app, um, you saw an animation play, um, which is what I have pinned on on my Twitter for a while, my personal Twitter. Um, you saw an animation play and it really, you know, the T-shirts all had AR in them. Um, it's how a lot of people have actually told me that they got introduced to crypto and to NFTs was their friend, like showing them the filter T-shirt with the money and, and everything, um, which was really exciting. But to me, I wanted to go beyond just the physical work and get really creative with the digital, which is why I started doing AR and why I started getting into NFTs to actually um, sell the the animated versions of these pieces. And then really Jin, um, my friend who I met at the first NFT NYC that um, they hosted, introduced me years ago to crypto voxels when it was a brand new world and there was only black and white, there was no color. Um, he introduced me to the metaverse, brought me on field trips through VR chat, brought me on field trips through all these different virtual worlds. Um, and he was the one who sort of opened that door for me to go beyond just physical and to really create in a unique, special way for the digital world. Um, so I think it's an amazing way to express yourself. I don't want to lose the physical, and we're definitely going to be doing some physical things for cyber brokers and also for mirrorware. Um, so I want to emphasize that physical is still important to me, but I think right now, or it used to be physical and then digital. And right now we're focusing on making really innovative digital and then turning it to physical. Yeah, no, it makes a ton of sense. And it's so cool to hear just how, uh, NFTs and, and this whole space changes the creative canvas in a way and, and, and allows for things that just weren't popular and, excuse me, possible, but also probably not popular in the uh, in the brick and mortar world. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the metaverse. Like, how are you thinking about it? What inspires you most about it? What do you think are some of the biggest misconceptions? All that jazz. Yeah, everything about the metaverse inspires me. Um, it's really cool because I have friends that honestly live in the metaverse, which I know sounds crazy, but like they really do. They have offices in the metaverse. They're looking at screens and playing virtual worlds through their metaverse office. Like it's it's crazy the layers there. Um, everything about the metaverse inspires me. Anyone can be a part of it. Um, I think there are, it, it's really unique because you can, you can be anyone you wanna be. Um, and I've done, you know, behind the art series, a podcast that I had a while ago, I've done a series um, and I chatted with 
uh, someone who has a disability and was explaining how in the metaverse they can walk. Um, in the metaverse, they can connect with people that they wouldn't have been able to connect with in their country, um, in, in their, their realm. So everything about it inspires me. Um, I think that we need to push further. And to me, um, this idea, I don't have the answers, but the idea of an open metaverse um, is what we need to push towards. Because right now, when people are building and platforms are building in silos, to me, that's not a metaverse. That is like a plane within this world, but it's not a metaverse. And like, I don't know if I can put the proper words to explain what I mean there, but I want to see more of, um, I know like collaboration is such a buzzword, but maybe even not even collaboration, but having a standard so that people can go cross platform and still be their identity, be themselves. And where we're not just um, in one world and that's it. And there's this sort of like rivalry between the different virtual worlds. I think the metaverse encompasses so much beyond that. And it's an open world where we can go in between. Um, it's it's almost like a metagame where you can play even without a world. Um, it's fashion, it's companions, it's, it's everything. It's furniture, it's lifestyle. Um, it's much beyond these worlds that right now I feel like the worlds and games are building in a little bit of a silo and I want to see that change a bit. Yeah, absolutely. I think those are important points. Um, so, you know, many of crypto arts pioneers were women, but there's still a glaring disparity in sales between male and female artists in the NFT space. How can we close that gap and how can we create more equity in the space? I think a way it's tough because I think there needs to be more education in general. Um, and that's for everyone, not just for women versus men, um, minorities, different age groups. I think there needs to be more education in general. Um, I think that also we as a community can be um, supportive in putting out the right materials and uplifting new folks in the space, no matter who they are. Um, so that we can be known as an um, inclusive and um, community that's ready ready to accept people and their different ideas and their different walks of life. So I think we need to be better at that. Um, I think some of that also, for me, some of my frustration with um, NFTs in the world that we're in now is it is so, so number focused and I think we've lost um, some of our our importance for what's happening in the real world. And I don't want to say we've lost like our morals because I don't think that's it. But I don't think we, we even mention them anymore. Um, you know, when I when I tweet something that is related to what's going on in the real world, um, people react a certain way. There's always the certain folks that always like interact in a way that they do every time, but like people don't really want to hear about that. So I think we need to overall um, figure out how to tie in our world to actually what's happening in real life and figure out ways that we can be more inclusive and educate and not forget, um, not just focus on like number go up, which I feel like is what a lot of the focus is on now. 
And then I'm, and you've alluded to this here and then earlier in the conversation as well, but when we're looking forward over the course of the next kind of two or three years as we see all these new people come into the space, what do you think are some of the other big like either issues and challenges or opportunities that we really need to be conscious of as we kind of unleash the potential of this technology and build a better future? Yeah, I want be, I want people to just be innovative and not copy what they've seen that has been successful. Um, like build build for you, build for your community. Don't build because you think that someone else has done it well before and you think that you could, you know, do the same thing. Um, I want to see, I want to see different. I want to see like people's, like we're in a creator space right now. I want to see people's creative. Like I, and I mean that for the tech, I mean that for the writers, I mean that for everything, not just the art. Um, I think a lot of us have lost, like there are a lot of projects that have released something that looks pretty cool and got lucky with timing or, um, have this really cool community that's behind them, that's supporting them. And the community is doing some of the legwork. But I also think that it's, um, the, I don't think there's like a release out into the wild and leave. I want to see more brands and more, um, projects really empowering their community and, focusing and investing back into their community instead of just like taking that money and like launching some cool little random thing once in a while. Like I want to see that get bigger and I want to bring these web three experiences that are really successful and really beautiful and have done a great job in this digital world and have sold well, whatever. Like I also want to see that brought to web two which I know sounds a little backwards, but I think that that's the way that we actually bring more people into the space is getting them interested in that way um, and, and bringing them to like the originating like point of like why this Web2 thing was created was because of the successful like Web3 brand. So I just want to see more innovation, um, more tech innovation. Um, there's so many cool things that you can do with NFTs. And I think a lot of things have sort of been a bit of a copy paste. Yeah. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, some of your iconic works like Genesis deal with bull and bear market themes and those roller coaster rides are very much ingrained in crypto culture. You know, they, they drive the meme cycle, they bring people closer together, they drive them apart as well. Um, and I'm curious as a, as an OG in the space who has been through multiple market cycles, do you have any advice for those who are dealing with, with the current market downturn? Maybe it's their first time going through something like this. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, once you're already in the downturn, it's easy to say this, but once in general, don't invest what you can't lose. Um, that's the the scary part is not only that, um, because of the bear, the bear market, we see people getting hacked daily and their NFTs being completely stolen and lost, which is heartbreaking and Scammers are absolute scum um, and I hate them, but like you cannot invest what you can't afford to lose, um, which I know is easy to say. But the thing about the bear market and with this happening is that it's it's also happening in the traditional world. So people are seeing these assets that used to be whatever amount dropping. They're also you know, seeing what's happening with the housing market and with, you know, inflation and prices going up. So it's really hard to have that in both this like real world and then also your escape with NFTs and the digital world. It's hard to see it happening at the same time. Um, I, 
I can't stress enough, don't invest what you can't afford to at least lose or just sit on for, for a year. Right. Because like, for me, I'm, I'm not a trader. Like I'm not going to pretend that I am. Like I really like buy things and just hold them forever, probably to my detriment. But like I bought them because I have a connection with them. And I think that's the other thing is that really, I personally, when I buy things, like it is because I have a deeper connection with it and I want to use it for something, or I just love it for our, in, in particular, I love it for what it is and I'm happy to hold it no matter what the price is. So I think also buying something that is not just um, a number go up and is actually something you are interested in and you believe in so that that community or that passion or whatever it is can take you on the ride for this bear market. And so you can hold on and still have positivity and something that, um, you know, takes you through until we get out of it. Yeah. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, one thing I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on too, you know, there's like a growing movement in the space, you know, that that's really focused on quote unquote historical NFTs and, and, you know, these NFTs that, um, you know, were significant, um, you know, were, were, were created prior to the boom. Um, in some cases were never created with a financial incentive in mind. Um, and as someone who has you know, been active in the space throughout when some of these projects launched and the like, I'm just curious to hear what your thoughts are as to how some of these projects will be remembered and whether like that, that history plays a role in, in that, in that ethos that you mentioned of, of, of the things that you like to like, uh, pick up and hold. Yeah. Do you mean of like, um, I want to make sure I understand your question. Do you mean of like his, like, actual historical nfts like the really early ones or do you mean ones that have launched recently and are looked at as historical i mean the the, the early ones like prior oh, okay. to yeah yeah um i it's interesting because right now um especially with a lot of recent things that have come out i think there's there's not a right answer to that because there could be a historical nft that um, you're collecting because of its history, because of its importance. And we sort of saw that really boom with like um, CryptoPunks. And um, we're seeing that, you know, happen with some of the rare Pepe stuff. But like the uh, um, a lot of it at the end of the day still comes back to the creators and their reputation, no matter what. Um, and if those things align and you believe in who created that platform, um, because NFTs are not like a, are not like a Bitcoin. Like we all love and believe in Satoshi. Like it's way different because there's the, the market is different. Just everything is different now. Um, I, I hold crypto punks. I have no plan to sell them. I hold, like I hold these things and I've, I love them and I, and I, collected them at a time when they were worth nothing, right? Like, so I love them and I'm going to hold them forever. Um, so I think they're great. Um, I also think it's really, really important to do your research on um, the people that are behind it, either at that point or still, because no matter what, that's going to influence the future of the asset as well. And as we look forward, when it comes to upcoming projects for you, like what, what else is in the, in the works? I know you alluded to some of the interesting developments and, and vision, but we need the alpha. Yeah. Um, so obviously we have our um, cyber brokers. We will be doing something in New York, which we're really excited. And we'll release some information about that this week. Um, so we're excited to see everyone in person. Uh, with 
are three pillars, like I said before, the um, content collectibles and gaming. We're building all of that out right now. Um, and when I talked before about the importance of not building in a silo, um, we're really focusing on that. And we're making sure that the things that we're building are not um, only within our little universe and don't interact with everyone else. We're working on things to make sure that we plug in and interact um, with other things in the NFT and metaverse ecosystem. Um, so we're building experiences and um, gamified things like crafting and um, for Max, uh, crafting, collecting things, exploring, and it won't just be within our universe. It will expand and branch out to others. We want to touch every corner of the metaverse um, in every way we can. So we will be, we are currently building out um, in, in different worlds and different experiences um, that we're going to bring to our collectors. We're also working on um, weekly web comics, which I'm excited about. And we're working on, um, we found a really incredible writer that we are working on um, a series of, which I know this sounds crazy, but a series of 51 books, one for each talent um, that will all be released over a year. So they're going to be released really frequently. Um, and I'm like beyond excited for those. And and I'm already thinking of, we're already looking through like the physical ways to create the series and everything. Um, so we're really, really focused on the lore and the content and the collectibles. And then of course, we're also working on um, a longer term project, Mirrorware, which is its own company. Um, but it is it is digital fashion, and we're taking all of those concepts um, that we're working with with the cyberbrokers community, like the story behind each piece, um, how to gamify your fashion so that there are different upgrades that you can get depending on what you do in the digital or in real life on your items, um, how you could wear those items across many different worlds. Like we're working on all of these things. Um, and also what I briefly mentioned before, um, which ties into Mirrorware, a way that people can enter into our universe and enter into our ecosystem at a much lower price point. Um, I know that not everyone can buy a cyber broker. Um, they're expensive. And we want, we know that the metaverse is going to be huge and everyone's going to be a part of it. So we are creating ways in the background that you can um, you can enter into our community for a very very low price point and be a part of it and still like I said continue to do those amazing things like actually create the story with us um, collect and everything with us amazing well we look forward to chronicling that journey following you along on it and uh, and seeing everything that you're building come to fruition um, it's been a real pleasure today Josie thank you for joining us thank you guys so much I appreciate it. Man, that was a super fun conversation. What stood out to you, Matt? Oh, wow. I, I've been looking forward to this conversation because I've been following her work and it did not disappoint. Um, I loved her perspective uh, on the issues facing NFTs today, how number focused it is, as opposed to uh, the higher concepts that really uh, led a lot of the early Bitcoin pioneers uh, into the space um, and, and how we can start kind of work to ensure that that ethos remains uh, while not being stuck in the past. I think that she has done a really good job of straddling that gap and and understanding that perspective while while continuing to push things forward um i loved her perspective on innovation 
and the importance of pushing uh, everything forward without copying. We're seeing a lot of that in the space. And I, I just I, lo I love hearing her speak about the metaverse. I think she's very forward forward looking when it comes there. Yeah, no, super exciting times. If you haven't already, definitely be sure to check out Cyber Brokers um, and follow Josie. And really appreciate all of you for tuning in. Uh, if you haven't already, as mentioned, definitely don't hesitate to sign up for our newsletter, nftnow.com. Distill what's happening in the market into actual digestive insights. You can get involved, nftnow.com. But there you have it. Another week, another podcast. We'll be back next week. Thank you all.